You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Tommy has uh, pr- progressed what we would call normally through the protocol to this point. Uh, as you have probably gathered from similar injuries in the past, it's always day to day until he's finally cleared. And he is not finally cleared. He will do some football related activity tomorrow. So if that passes, then everything goes good, then he would be available for the game. I don't know. You just got to prepare like you're going to start, and that's what they've been telling me. So uh, I'll be ready to go when they call my number. And if I start, that's cool. If not, that's the coach's decision, not mine. Oh, I think that he wants to be back for sure, I'll bet badly. I, I think Tommy likes football, likes to play football. He's a focal point guy on the team. I think one of the main attributes that he has is that he loves to play and compete. Doesn't want to miss anything. But, you know, in a deal like this, he's not in charge and neither am I. You know, somebody else will tell us. Uh, We just follow the biology and the protocol and see what we can get. And here we are. Welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as you heard, head coach Mike Riley and backup quarterback Riker Fife uh, discussing the status here of quarterback Tommy Armstrong as Nebraska gets ready for Saturday's 6:30 game with Minnesota. It's a Big Ten Network broadcast, and you know Tommy Armstrong left the game in the horseshoe uh, in an ambulance, uh, was unconscious for several minutes before getting to a hospital. And you know a lot of people wondered, well, you know, how serious was this injury? Well, Tommy Armstrong runs back into the stadium a la Willis Reed Game 7 style to a standing ovation of 106,000 people. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we find out that maybe Tommy didn't even suffer a concussion. Um, in fact, they don't, they don't think he did, but they're treating it like that. And uh, he has gone through, though, the typical concussion protocol. Um, he did not practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. He just did some lighter aerobic activity. Uh, he will practice Thursday. And, um, you know, and ideally, I think he will play in this game, Robin. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, one of those things that they were optimistic initially. Um, you know, even at halftime, uh, when you know the, the ABC reporters were talking to Riley about you know the the, the up status update on Armstrong, he said you know we're, we're we're feeling good. You know, obviously cautiously optimistic, and so far that's held true. Now Tommy has kind of breezed through this concussion protocol, which Mike Riley said is not uh, not unnormal or whatever abnormal uh, because it's basically this is as fast as you can make it through a concussion protocol. And so far, Tommy's passed every single test they've given him and uh, shown no signs of any setbacks. And um, obviously, you know, if he makes it over through these next couple of days of practice um, and workouts without any, you know, further setbacks, he's going to be good to go. And so that the, the ideal situation this coaching staff had, um, you know, coming out of that game on Saturday night uh, has really held true. And so far... And they want him to start. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. So they're, they're, they're going to do everything they can to get him out there. And as long as he's good to go, uh, he will be under center on Saturday. Well, and, and if that happens, it's pretty remarkable because you've got a guy who was having his jersey cut off of him, you know, on, along the sidelines and, and taped to a, you know, a backboard and being carted out of there to all of a sudden playing the next week. I, I don't think if you had asked anyone after watching that injury if, if he'd be ready to go, you know, next Saturday, uh, no one would have said that that, that would happen, but. It's interesting because I've heard some some fighters talk about how 
Um, maybe it was just more of a deal where a flash knockout. Yeah. Where the way that he fell, all the air got knocked out of him or something. And you just like black out kind of, um, not, not necessarily a concussion. So I wonder if that's, if that's what it is, but they just have to go through the protocol, but absolutely. Uh, Nebraska needs Tommy to play, uh, this weekend. I think it will make this weekend go a lot smoother for the Huskers. If he does, you're listening here to the Husker online show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate classes. as we get you geared up for Saturday's game with Minnesota, both teams coming in seven and two, kind of a must win game. I think for both these squads, uh, as, you know, I think they're both fighting for respect. Nebraska, as we know, suffered their second worst loss in program history, 62-3 to at Ohio State this past Saturday. It has been a grind, though. You look at the schedule this team has been through. Uh, three of the four last weekends, they have been on the road. Um, I don't recall that happening at Nebraska very often uh, when you just look at the travel. Then you, you pile that on with back-to-back road night games at back-to-back top night game venues in the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Ohio State. Uh, they're happy to be home, uh, but this is kind of one of those games Nebraska needs, Robin, I think, to establish some credibility uh, to kind of get things back on track and and show that a 10-2 and season is very much still a possibility. It's, it's must-win territory, in my opinion. Not only to keep yourself in position uh, for, you know, maybe a, a backdoor berth at a Big Ten championship. But also, like you said, you know, after that Ohio State game, there were a few things that, you know, you could say Nebraska still had, you know, left to play for. And one of them was a potential, you know, 10-win season. New Year's Six Bowl yeah, game. Yeah, New Year's Six Bowl game. And it, that doesn't happen if you don't go and, and win at home uh, in a game that, you know, you were favored coming in by eight points, even without the, the status of Tommy, Arm, Tommy Armstrong being known. So uh, this is a game you have to win. Uh, you, you can't let a Minnesota team that's limited offensively come in and, and, and beat you. You can't let Ohio State beat you twice. So that, that, that's, that's kind of the kind of the whole mentality of this team this week uh, is just go up and, and get this get the job done in a game that they have to have if they want to maintain, you know, what's left of their season goals. Well, and I, and I don't think we're going to see – a hangover from that Ohio State loss. Uh, if anything, I, I feel like maybe the loss at Wisconsin, because they, I mean, it was literally right there in their hands. Maybe that was more of a hangover when they went to to Columbus than than the you know the shellacking they got last weekend will be when they face Minnesota. I, I think that's that game was so lopsided last weekend. It's I think it'll be kind of easy for this team to kind of flush that out and and just completely forget about it, move on, and and take on Minnesota this this weekend uh, at night. In a lot of ways, these two teams are similar, though. That they, they got their, their most respect in losses. Minnesota took Penn State to overtime, probably should have won. But granted, Penn State, they got them at the right time. It was right when they were in that lull, when they lost to Pittsburgh and, and kind of had you know the Michigan game in there and, and struggled. And for Nebraska, they've earned their respect from a loss to Wisconsin, a team that took Ohio State to overtime. Both these teams, I think, desperately are in need of a quality win. You look at Nebraska's best wins right now, Oregon, Wyoming, Northwestern, Indiana. Uh, the best win for this Minnesota team is Maryland. Their Big Ten wins are Rutgers, Purdue, and Illinois. Uh, they have easily had probably – I mean, they've had easily – try to say easy about seven times in one sentence. <laughs> they've had the easiest schedule in the Big Ten, in my opinion, and they only beat Rutgers by two, and, mm-hmm. and we know how bad Rutgers is right now. So uh, I do think this is a great matchup this week for the Huskers. It's at home. 
Here's the history on night games. Nebraska's won 18 in a row. They're 44 and five all time in night games in Memorial Stadium. Their five losses have come to teams that have lo- that have won 10 or more games. Um, so they don't lose to bad teams at home at night. Yeah, and I think if you just look at one particular area of the uh, you know of the game and Nebraska's defense, Minnesota's offense plays directly into the strength of Nebraska's defense. You look kind of they compared some similarities to Wisconsin. Except I kind of see Minnesota's offense as kind of being like Wisconsin style without the explosive athletes at you know the skill positions, particularly running back. You know that they've they have a, I guess a quarterback that's been compared to Ben Roethlisberger and Mitch Leitner. I don't know if I'd <laughs> quite necessarily buy that. I've heard that uh, comparison thrown out a couple times this week, but uh, they they rarely throw the ball, and when they do, it's nothing that's going to beat you downfield. So you, your secondary and your safeties can play up without you know really having to worry about getting beat deep, and you know they've started incorporating some zone read running with Leidner. So, I mean, that's, I guess, a new wrinkle they've tried to throw in. But all in all, Minnesota is very simple offensively. They're going to try and run right at you between the tackles with an offensive line that ranges around 6'6", 320 pounds. They're like a poor man's Wisconsin. Yeah, and and they're just going to try and beat you up, run the clock, and, you know, kind of win ugly. And so far, uh, it hasn't worked out well for them. They run at 70% of the time. Yeah, so, and again, you know, I think that that plays right into the strength of Nebraska's defense. We saw how good they did against Wisconsin's offense. Uh, This is a step below that, and I see no reason why this uh, the Blackshears can't really shut things down and give enough opportunity for Tommy or whoever's running the quarterback uh, to make some plays. All right, we have a full show here on tap. Uh, We'll talk more about uh, the offensive line in our next segment as the Huskers are are finally back together. The band is back together, as Sam Hahn said to Mike Cavanaugh. Then we'll discuss what what went wrong defensively. Uh, We'll take your questions in the mailbag, and then Nate Klaus will give us a recap from his recruiting trip out to California where he talked to Joseph Lewis, Jameer Calvin, and the entire Calabasas crew. That is all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. For playing Saturday, it's going to be off of what the coaches want. I'm cleared. You know, I got the green light. I love football. I love to be out there, whatever our coaches say, whatever the plan is. So uh, if the plan is, you know, not to have me out there, I get it. But I love to be out there. You know, when I walked in the training room, he was like, I'm coming back. So, I mean, just that determination, drive, passion, whatever you want to say. I mean, he was a man on a mission, you know. You ask him, I know 100% he wants to. And it's just a matter of him being 100% ready. And so he has to actually put get his ducks in a row. That's what it's about. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Nebraska, Minnesota here Saturday at 630 on the Big Ten Network. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, and... Uh, kind of a surprise injury week for Nebraska on that offensive line as Sam Hahn joked to Mike Cavanaugh, the band is back together for the first time since mid-August. Nebraska's entire offensive line was on the practice field, suited up together. Uh, the big news, though, was Gerald Foster, uh, Nebraska's preseason projected starting uh, starter at left guard, returned to the practice field Tuesday after suffering a right MCL uh, knee injury uh, that was going to require three to four months recovery time. He got back in just a shade under three months, uh, which is amazing. And, you know, I got a glimpse of him a little bit on Tuesday and Wednesday, and you get the sense he is really moving around well. Uh, in fact, uh, the door is open for him to see the field. I honestly think, Robin, uh, as we look at this decision with um, Gerald Foster, uh, I think 
it dep- if Nebraska's struggling to run the ball against a, a good Minnesota defense, that's maybe where you could see Foster get an opportunity or a series or two to see if he can change things up. It was definitely stunning when Mike Riley said that there was a chance he could maybe return this month um, during his Monday press conference. And the way that he's progressed, I mean, we, we watched him a little bit on Tuesday, got to see him a little bit on Wednesday. Uh, and all signs point to him, like you said, being you know kind of almost back to full form. He says he's 100% cleared. He feels good, not only physically, but he feels good mentally, too. That's usually the biggest issue with a knee injury like that. And yeah, uh, they, they've really given no indication that they're going to you know hesitate to put him out there. And I know some people are concerned a little bit the fact that it is, like you said, just a, a share over um, three months since that injury happened, and like it's a three to four to month recovery. But you know, this was kind of a lost year for him anyway. And so, if he suffers a setback, you know, yeah, let's get this clear: the medical redshirt guy, he's yeah. not eligible. I mean, you get the fan. Well, what about the medical redshirt? You yeah. know, but it's it's a six year of eligibility thing, and you have to miss two full years with injury to get the six year of eligibility. He is not eligible for that. He has not missed any years. Kevin Williams missed two years. Corey Whitaker missed two years. Andy Christensen missed two years. Ricky Tenars, he got a red shirt because he never took a red shirt when he got hurt with his. Um, it's very, very rare, number one, for a guy to, to miss two full years and be good enough to get a six year. A lot a lot of times after five with an injury prone guy, you're kinda like, let's let's kind of just move on. So I think they had, you know, no choice but to get him out there and play. Yeah, and you know, you'd see why there's so much incentive on his part to want to get out there and make, you know, the most out of what's remaining of this season. Uh, and again, I think that what we talked about in the last segment, you know, what is still at stake for Nebraska over these, you know, last three or four games. Uh, you know, that you could if if there's an opportunity that Gerald Foster can come in the game and make your team better and give you a better chance to win, I see no reason why not to do it. I think he starts by Iowa, Nate. If, if I had a guess, oh, I think so, and I wouldn't be surprised if he even if things go well against Minnesota, if he's starting by Maryland. I mean, just from talking with him yesterday at practice, I mean, he seems extremely confident. He looked good. He looked good. You know, and that's the thing. He didn't sit idly by, just kind of you know, biding his time until, you know, this injury had healed itself. He, he said he, he went through kind of a dark moment after it initially happened, but then he got right back after it and was, um, he said those trainers did not let you, you know, slack. He, he's in shape. He said he feels good. And that's the thing. When he got cleared on Sunday, he said he decided, you know what, I'm going to go out there. I guess they did some sort of test. And he said, I'm going to go out there and, and just go full go on it. And it felt great. He's got no reservations mentally or physically. Physically, uh, and he's ready to go. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he sees 20 to 30 snaps against Minnesota, and if those go well and he feels good coming off of that, um, I, I think that he's going to have a larger role, maybe even a starting role by the time Maryland rolls around. And, and as we look at the situation for Nebraska, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Uh, we're talking offensive line, offensive storylines. Really, a, the crust of all the problems have started with the offensive line. Um, Tommy Armstrong hasn't had as much time to throw. Uh, the running game has not gotten Nebraska on schedule. And that all starts up front. I mean, Nebraska has not been able to move anybody since the Northwestern game. You know, you look at the games since Northwestern, I think they've played five. Uh, Nebraska had almost 566 yards against Northwestern on offense. They have not looked the same since that game. And a lot of it is the running game struggles. I mean, Nebraska struggled to move Purdue. They struggled to move Illinois. They struggled to definitely move Indiana. Uh, we know they struggled to run the ball um, against Ohio State. I think they actually ran it well against Wisconsin, considering the context of the defense they're going against. 
Uh, but they've got to just get Tommy Armstrong in the run-pass-down situations, and, and that, I think, could get this offense going this week, Robin. Yeah, and having a, a healthier offensive line is going to be huge, and uh, you know the coaching staff has made it a point not to use that as an excuse, uh, but it, it is an excuse. I mean, when you're running with a bunch of walk-ons who have hardly even seen the field before this season uh, and putting them in your starting lineup. And, and expect- Cole Conrad will start over David Neville this week. So. Right, that, that should be known. Um, and so David Neville obviously clearly isn't healthy. So as, as healthy as the offensive line is getting, uh, they're still beat up. But uh, they haven't used it as an excuse, but it's it's the reality is there. You know, it's not, the performance, the numbers, they, they speak for themselves. And, um, yeah, I agree. The inability to run the ball effectively, you know, basically since the start of Big Ten play, has been as big of a issue for this team as anything. And that's Mike Riley and, and both Danny Langsdorf talked about it this week of just the need to establish quote unquote identity runs, you know, two or three plays in the run game that you can count on uh, on a regular basis throughout a game that are going to get you uh, yards that you can you know basically plan on. And what are those runs? Well, they, they don't know yet. Really. Stephen Carter, you know, maybe a week healthier could help with that too. On the I, edge. I think so, because, you know, obviously hit, hit, that's one of the things we haven't been talked about. We talked about the offensive line. Stephen Carter is just as important in that run game as far as his blocking is concerned. And so um, I think that now that they're finally starting to get healthier, uh, they got to really kind of zero in on what is this identity of this offense, especially in the running game. So that's as big of a goal as anything for this offense going forward over the next three weeks. When you get those starting linemen all back together, I mean, I think that's a unit that, you know, in fall camp had looked pretty decent. It looked like those guys were gelled together and we're all on the same page. And I think that has a lot to do, you know, in the run game is is timing. You know, the running backs know when a hole is going to open up. He knows where his cutback is going to be. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're working with backups or when you're working with guys who aren't full speed, I think that kind of screws up the, the timing in the run game. Obviously, we talked about, you know, Tommy Armstrong has definitely not felt comfortable in the pocket there. So um, definitely a good sign to, to have that starting unit back who who all seems to be, you know, on the same page with one another. And, and you throw in a guy like Gerald Foster there, too. I, I think he adds a little another dimension of toughness, another dimension of, uh, of fire up front, too. Uh, that's something that Mike Cavanaugh mentioned after practice on, on Wednesday. So I'm um, eager to see that. And you throw out, I'll throw out someone else here, too, as I wrap it up here on offensive storylines. But Minnesota really hasn't faced a dual-threat quarterback in Big Ten play. Penn State, Iowa, Rutgers, Illinois, Purdue. I mean, you, you look at those teams. Tommy Armstrong, I think, will present a different challenge, assuming all goes well and, and you know, game-time decision or whatever it's going to be. He's the guy, but I think his dual threat ability this week, just to extend plays, uh, to avoid blitzing, uh, the avoid, avoid blitzers and, and things like that, are going to go a long way. Minnesota will man Nebraska up though, so um, you know the crossing routes, the rub routes, uh, those are going to be a big part, I think, of what Nebraska does. Uh, the way the Gophers are, are going to try to um, you know mix things up. So uh, we come back, we're going to see if this Husker defense can get back on track. We'll discuss defensive storylines going into Minnesota. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. The truth of the matter is I told those guys the best way to get over somebody is to get on somebody else. And that's what we got to do. Just keep it a laser focus. 
I think Minnesota's fully. They're, they're thinking they're going to get in the in the championship. Boy, they got us and Wisconsin left, and if they went out there in for North Northwestern too. Yeah, I mean their mindsets is, is just like ours. They're trying to get to the championship game, and they think they got a, a really good chance at it. And they do have a really good team if you watch them on film. So everybody everybody's feelings is hurt. You know, the main thing you got to do as a coach, you can't let your feelings and how you feel about the game permeate those poor guys because they were out there too. So. You know, my main thing is, my main focus was, like I told you, we got to get ready for the next person. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was secondary coach Brian Stewart and captain and middle linebacker Josh Banderas. Uh, just talking about Nebraska getting over this hangover that they had against Ohio State where the Buckeyes literally scored a touchdown or a field goal on every single offensive possession. Uh, the only time they didn't is when they muffed a punt, so their offense technically did not come out on the field. So, um, it was about as bad of a day at the office for this Nebraska defense. The Buckeyes converted multiple third and longs, uh, third and 20 early on in the game. Michael Rose-Ivy on a third and two got drugged two yards uh, by a, a running back to, to get the first down. So, I mean, there were a lot of those early moments where Nebraska could have got some defensive momentum, and they failed to against a very good Ohio State team. And and now, Robin, as they bring in Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, the Huskers have to figure out a way to move on and get ready uh, for a, a very physical Minnesota Gopher offense. Yeah, this is not the week where you can sit back and feel sorry for yourself because uh, you know Minnesota is known for uh, coming in and just wanting to punch you right in the face offensively. So if you're not ready to play, uh, they're going to run right over you. So I think that as far as what you know, Nebraska's defense, coaches and players have said all this week, they have the right mentality. You know, flush that loss as best you can. Try and learn whatever you can from it, but don't dwell on it. Because if you sit there and dwell on it, it's not going to do you any good. It's just going to make you, you know, sit back and feel sorry for yourself. So, um, you know, I think that this this mat is a good matchup. It's a home game at night. You know, the crowd's going to be into it. They're going to have a lot of energy to feed off of. Um, as we mentioned, Minnesota's offense, you know, plays in Nebraska's defensive strengths. So this sets up for a very good bounce back opportunity. Yeah, I think it's going to be easier. For, for a lot of the older guys to, to kind of completely move on. Um, you know, John Perella mentioned that, that sometimes with a younger player, you do kind of tend to, to dwell on things. But from talking with John Perella earlier in the week, I, I think he mentioned the words move on or moved on about 50 times until the narrative uh, of all the questions kind of eventually changed to, to Minnesota. And, uh, and I, there's no question that that's what the staff has done from top to bottom is uh, they've, they've tried to completely flush that loss out and, uh, and turn their attention to, to Minnesota. And, uh, and they've got to be ready because, like you mentioned, Robin, Minnesota, I mean, it's kind of similar to the style of, of Wisconsin. I mean, they, they want to be a physical team. They're, they're not overly flashy, and they, they want to play this game in, in a phone booth. It's it's not basketball on turf. It's not spread you out and, and sideline to sideline. They're going to go and try to run it right down your throat. They're blue-collar factory workers, and Tracy Clays <laughs> is the shift manager. I mean, that, I mean, they're just not, you know, they're just a fancy, not a fancy team, as you said. Uh, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show as, as we get you geared up for defensive storylines to watch. This segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with locations 5 in Omaha, 2 in Lincoln uh, with the 630 game. A perfect opportunity to grab some lunch. Um, at Tanner's in Lincoln, uh, check out the new 70th and A location uh, in the in the old grandmother's. Get some wings, watch the 11 a.m. games, then drive on down and uh, tailgate. Uh, and get ready for a Saturday 6:30 game uh, against the Minnesota Gophers. And you know when you look at this matchup, Robin and Nate uh, with Nebraska, 
I like it a lot better than what the Huskers have seen the last few weeks. Um, you know, people on staff have even said this. This defense, Mark Banker himself, they scheme better, they match up better against teams like Minnesota, like Wisconsin, teams that really want to be more of a pro style, physical between the tackles team. Where you know, I think you look at their struggles. They have come against zone reads and spreads and those things. So they will see some zone read um, from. Um, Mitch Leidner, Robin, but it, it won't be, you know, Oregon or what they saw last week at Ohio State from JT Barrett. Yeah, definitely not. You know, and Mitch Leidner is just one of the more unique uh, quarterbacks uh, I can remember. I mean, the fact that some, I can't remember, was it McShay, Todd McShay from ESPN? Or Kuiper. One of those guys graded him out as a potential first round pick going into the year. And everybody kind of, you know, laughed at that and, you know, couldn't figure out what he was talking about. And, you know, that I, I don't know. They, they've been trying to do some different stuff with them this year than they have in previous years. You know, one thing Mark Banker said uh, that they, Minnesota didn't do at all last year was run zone read. And um, over the past three or four weeks, they've done a lot more zone read to make. Well, they did it two years ago, though. They ran that little belly option that gave Bo Pelini fits when Nebraska yeah. blew a set. Was it a 17 or 18? It was 21 to 3. Nebraska blew that lead to the Gophers. Yeah, so I mean, whatever they've been doing, though, they they seem to have found kind of their their niche offensively. Uh, you know, this four game win streak, they've scored thirty one points, thirty four points, forty points, and forty four points. So uh, the competition, yeah, say what you want about it with Maryland, Rutgers, Illinois, Purdue, they're they're putting up some numbers. And so Nebraska, it, it's it, you know you, you want to write this off as some basic vanilla offense, but uh, what they do, they've been doing well. And so Nebraska's got to be ready to play. Like I said, you, you can't come in there and just think that just because, you know, it's Minnesota and you're coming off of Ohio State that it's going to be, you know, some cakewalk. So uh, you, you got to bring the physicality here, and uh, hopefully the coaching staff has these guys ready to go. Yeah, you you want to talk about identity runs. I mean, that's basically all of Minnesota's mm-hmm. identity is, is, is running. And uh, they've got two really good running backs. Um but, uh, you know, the, the pass game definitely leaves something to be desired. I, I think the stat I saw in Leidner in Big Ten play is is one touchdown pass for six interceptions. Uh, so that's – I mean, that's uh, – uh, and I think that kind of feeds into Nebraska's strength a little bit there too. But um, so the, I think what you have to do is you have to make Minnesota uh, – you know, you have to make them one-dimensional, make them try to uh, play from behind and, and pass the ball. Get and, them out of their them, yeah, get them out zone. of their comfort zone a little bit. And and if Nebraska's defense can do that, I, I think it I think it'll be kind of smooth sailing on Saturday. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. The segment brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with Omaha and Lincoln locations. And uh, another thing to watch uh, with the defense, Robin and Nate, this week. Are the linebackers? I mean, there, there's some real injury durability things going on right now. Uh, we know Michael Rose Ivy's been battling something. Marcus Newby uh, has been battling something. Dedrick Young has an ankle. I think Newby had a hamstring, uh, but it all kind of showed up last week and some of the struggles and missed tackles and things that those guys were doing. Chris Weber has moved from middle to outside linebacker. Um, he can play both. Trent Bray says there's no difference between the Sam and the Will positions. So. Um, they're getting kind of some things adjusted in the linebackers. This is a game where Josh Banderas could have like 15 tackles if things go right. Yeah. And <clears throat> just to go over the laundry list of injuries at the linebacker position, Dedrick Young has an ankle injury. Marcus Newby has a hamstring injury. Michael Rose Ivy has an elbow injury and Chris Weber had a knee strain. Now the good news, 
Um, this week, uh, so far, Newby, Rose Ivy, and Weber have all practiced. Dedrick Young, though, that ankle is something, That's to, the one that... something to keep an eye on. And I, I don't know what his status is going to be. I mean, obviously, um, they, they have depth there, but um, he's been you know one of their more productive players there. So um, they might have to account for not having him um, in a game where you need every you know all hands on deck, um, especially in the defensive front seven. And we could see some nickel this week from Nebraska, but it's going to be a lot of base and uh, it's going to be a game where those D tackles, um, Kevin Maurice, Carlos Davis, Mick Stoltenberg, guys like Josh Banderas, they really need to set the tone for this Blackshirt defense. And uh, like I said, I think this is a good matchup for Nebraska as they move into this 7-2 and two matchup uh, over two teams really trying to establish some credibility. Well, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. It's important just as a team and as a defense and you know, just as for each of us individually to come out and, and respond. You know, that, that's been the, the big thing this week is, you know, how are you going to respond to adversity? How are you going to respond to what happened? You know, and then I think our guys will come out and play hard, and, and that's what we're working on. But uh, that, that's going to be big. I mean, it's a pride thing really is what it is. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was linebackers coach Trent Bray just giving his thoughts on this defense, trying to bounce back after giving up 62 points, not even allowing a punt against Ohio State uh, here as we enter our mailbag segment. It's Nebraska-Minnesota. It's a Saturday game, 630, all in the Big Ten Network. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. Let's bring in Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson. Uh, who was also with us out in Columbus um, this past week in Wisconsin. So uh, you've gotten a good taste for this, Matt. What's in the mailbag today? Well, we're going with some big picture stuff, just like Trent Bray was talking about. He talked about how the defense is able to respond. And so how is the full team able to respond? And what's the Huskers record going to be come Saturday after Thanksgiving? I think when you look at how this team has responded, I think the coaches have done a really good job of, of just trying to forgive and forget I mean they they know what they saw was bad uh, against Ohio State but sitting and harping on it on Tuesday and Wednesday wasn't going to get them anywhere and and I thought the approach by Brian Stewart and Trent Bray um, was very positive um, you know considering what they did and as far as the record goes I really think 10 and 2 is is a reality anything less than nine and three is a disappointment right now I really believe that um Nebraska has to win at least two of these final three otherwise it's going to be a major buzz kill to end this season yeah I, I agree I think 10 and two should be the expectation uh and nine and two is you know no less than that uh, you got to win at home you're at home at night this week you got a Maryland team coming in the next week that should be a win and then you got that road game at Iowa who who knows what Iowa's even gonna be playing for at that point so uh, uh 10 and two should be this go- the goal for this team right now yeah, I think that's what's definitely obtainable. Uh, you most definitely need to win these these next two games inside Memorial Stadium. Um, and, and, of course, I think Iowa's uh, very beatable. But uh, I'd like to echo what Sean said. I, I feel like the staff did a good job of, of – just trying to to get away from that Ohio State game, and I think Josh Banderas said something uh, this past week about how they they didn't belabor the film. They didn't have like a three three plus hour film session where they just harped and, and yelled at guys after each. What play. is this? Yeah, look at what you look at what you're doing here. I mean, it wasn't like that. They watched the film. They said, okay, this is what we got to fix, and let's 
move on. Let's forget about it. Uh, on to Minnesota, and and I think that's I think that's been good. Uh, and and I think this I think this team is is kind of primed to to close things out on a on a high note. All right, you take your next question here in the mailbag. Offensive line's been a big concern, and with news Gerald Foster could play this week, what do you expect from him this week? And I guess the bigger picture question is, do you expect Gerald Foster to play and contribute significant snaps? Um, Yeah, we touched on this obviously earlier, um, but I do think there's a really good chance we could see him take a series or two. Uh, I think you want to see him get the rust off. Um, the way he was moving is what sold me. He's got a confidence, uh, uh, kind of a pep in his step right now. That leads me to believe, and the smile that Mike Cavanaugh had on Tuesday and Wednesday also leads me to believe that he's pretty darn close, Robin. Yeah, they want to play him. He wants to play. And if there's any sign of struggling uh, on Saturday night, I don't think they're going to hesitate to throw him in there and see what he can give them. Yeah, they're, and they're going to be careful with him here, but if if they get him out there and he's doing well and he's he's feeling good and feeling healthy, I think they're just going to keep rolling with him um, because he adds so much uh, to this offensive line. Uh, that's been, and and everything that he brings to the table is is definitely something that they've been missing for the last four or five weeks. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and A. Klaus. Uh, we're joined by our intern Matt Reynoldson as we take your weekly questions here in the mailbag sticking with the offensive line theme do we expect to have a full starting five by maryland and will how much will that affect the offensive line rotation and the running game of this team well the interesting one to me still remains right tackle like could cole conrad conceivably be passing david neville i think that is a reality right now mike cavanaugh hinted uh on wednesday during the week um that conrad's gonna be a great player and he hangs around Nick Gates a lot, which is a good thing. He picks up some of Nick Gates' personality traits. Um, so you get the sense they're not as high on Neville and his maybe mental toughness, and Conrad could be in that group. But the bottom line is I think by Maryland, they will have eight available bodies, which they haven't been able to say uh, in a long time. You haven't been able to count on David Neville since Oregon. And so I think that uh, you mentioned the word in there, Sean. It's, it comes down to toughness for me. Uh, and that's going to take you a long way with Mike Cavanaugh. And Cole Conrad has shown every bit of that. You know, he was put in a very, very difficult situation, just being thrown in the fire. And he's handled it, you know, remarkably. And so I think that, you know, you kind of got to reward a guy, to, to, for one, uh, to take on a challenge like that. And two, to perform the way that he has. Well, and he stepped up, you know, on the on the road um, in his first extensive action ever, uh, and, and performed pretty well. So, yeah, I, I think you do have to reward a guy like that. And um, and like you mentioned, you know, David Neville, how many weeks in a row was he able to go, able to play, but only played, you know, a first series or even just a first play, uh, and then kind of had to bow out. So, um, yeah, that's I, I do think that by Maryland we'll, we'll see a. Um, a strong rotations of that starting five there. Well, Cole Conrad received the highest offensive grade from Pro Football Focus last week. and It was somewhere around 80 or 81. With him starting over Neville versus Minnesota, does this give Neville more time to heal, or has Conrad truly stolen the starting job? Well, I, mean, I think we kind of hit on it. I think it's it's heading in the direction of stealing the starting job, and, and Pro Football Focus, as we, I think, talk about every week on this show, uh, does a really good job uh, you know, grading those guys out in depth. All right, let's move on here as uh, we take our next question in the mailbag. This one's a basketball question. Uh, there's a request on the mailbag for Robin to evaluate the new recruit. 
about time we started talking some hoops on here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, Nana Akenton, a 2017 signee, signed his official letter of intent on Wednesday. Uh, 6'6 shooting guard, and uh, the one word you can use to describe him is athleticism. In fact, uh, I was told by a source close to the program that freakish athleticism is probably a closer way to, to describe him. Um, best story to describe it, uh, on his visit, he was in the strength and conditioning room, and there was a 38-inch box for box jumps. In untied t- uh, tennis shoes and jeans, he jumped it and cleared it with ease. So that just kind of shows you the type of athlete he is. And two, he's a very good shooter. Uh, you know, I think that's probably one of his best strengths offensively is the way he attacks in transition and his perimeter shooting. Call me like the optimistic guy, but I really liked how Nebraska looked in their exhibition game, um, Robin. I, I was pleasantly surprised with with the Huskers um, and the newcomers and the the improvements they have on shooting and, and just the way Isaiah Roby finished around the rim. I don't think Nebraska's had a guy that could finish around the rim like that in a while. Yeah, the improvement in athleticism and just overall talent is undeniable. But problem is they're still very young, very green, and uh, this still might be a bit of a learning year, <clears throat> especially with the schedule they have. Uh, non-conference and conference play is going to be brutal, so this team is going to have to grow up in a hurry. We need we got time for one quick question here in the mailbag. Well, let's elaborate on the uh, Calabrasca rumors. There was a request to uh, about Darnay Holmes rumors on here, and so could you elaborate on any Darnay Holmes rumors? Yeah, Darnay Holmes. At this point in time, it, it, Nebraska is out of it. He um, gone. Yeah, he. You know, it's <laughs> it's been one of those weird deals where, when you look at, at his recruitment last spring, it, Nebraska was squarely in the picture, maybe even, um, you know, right at the top. I mean, he had been to Nebraska th- at that point five or six times already, um, and then he he didn't go to the spring game and then he was going to make a decision in June kind of backed off that and and decided that he was going to take all his visits and make a decision closer to January around the All-American Bowl game the Army All-American Bowl game and uh and ever since that point it seemed like Nebraska start, started slipping away and he hasn't and, done uh, any interviews with us either. He hasn't done any interviews. Uh, he hasn't set, he's set up official visits to Michigan and Ohio State right now. Um, and UCLA is, has always been one of the main teams in the mix there. Um, going out to California last week, uh, it, and from talking with certain people, maybe even talking, um, kind of interacting with Darnay a little bit, it became pretty clear that Nebraska is really not in the picture whatsoever anymore. All right, Nate, hold those recruiting thoughts because when we come back, we're going to get your full recap from your trip out to California. Spoke with Joseph Lewis, Jameer Calvin, and many other top recruits. We'll close the show next with recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus as we wrap things up like we do every week with some Husker recruiting talk. And uh, Nate Klaus, uh, Nebraska's been on the road three of the last four weekends. That means you've been on the road as well, uh, checking in on a lot of top Husker targets. This past weekend, you were out in California uh, checking out guys like Jameer Calvin, uh, Joseph Lewis, the entire Calabasas crew. Let's start with that right away. What were some of your big takeaways first with Joseph Lewis? Well, Joseph Lewis, uh, the five-star wide receiver, I think everyone's pretty familiar with him by now. Uh, Nebraska's right in the mix of it. I mean, uh, and I kind of I came away from from 
our interview with him and, and being able to spend time with him and, and his coaches feeling like the Huskers may even have the, the inside track right now at this point in time. Uh, Keith Williams has done a tremendous job there. Um, he has visited uh, Nebraska three times. He's taken his official visit to Lincoln. Uh, he's also taken an official visit to Oregon. Uh, he's got a trip to Oklahoma this weekend and will most likely be taking an official visit to Alabama and then not quite sure who that fifth official visit is going to be or if he will even take a fifth official visit. But I do expect him to make an announcement at the U.S. Army All-American game uh, in early January. And like I said, I feel really good about Nebraska's chances here. He's got a tremendous relationship with Keith Williams. And and one thing that really stood out to me from talking with him is, is that he – said that he and his mother both feel like maybe it would be best for him to get out of Los Angeles, kind of get out of, of the big city life where there's a lot of distractions, a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of characters around where he grows up, uh, bad characters that, that, you know, maybe it'd be good for him to go someplace like Lincoln where there, there are fewer distractions where he'd be able to just concentrate on football and school. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, that gives Nebraska one more kind of one more thing to work with there um, or one more thing to, to really sell to he and his mother as you know, as they kind of go forward. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, as we talk some Husker recruiting storylines. And uh, you also caught up with Jameer Calvin, um, another top receiver. And I think if Nebraska could close things out perfectly, uh, Joseph Lewis, Jameer Calvin at receiver would be guys they'd really want to get. Both of them have potential to play as true freshmen. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think the Joseph Lewis and Jameer Calvin are right there at the, at the top of the board. There's three spots left in this class, and, and um, Lewis and Calvin are, would be, I think, number one and number two at this point in time. And, and Jameer Calvin, I, I have felt really good about Nebraska's chances with him dating back to last spring when he visited for the spring game. Um, you know, he took part in, in Nebraska's satellite camp in, that was in California, has already come, you know, visited. Uh, taking his official visit to Lincoln and um, and he's the only other official visit he's taken has been to Oregon State uh, he's talking about taking an official to Notre Dame when they play Virginia Tech coming up um, Oklahoma is kind of a new school that's entered the picture they have not offered yet and and if they do he probably will take an official visit there and I think right now I think it's all Nebraska except if Oklahoma does come through with an offer uh, they might be a team to watch out for because he, he said he, he really likes what Baker Mayfield and D.D. Westbrook have been doing you know obviously Westbrook's been putting up ridiculous numbers um, you know there for the Sooners so that's something that's been able to, to catch his eye but uh, um, you know, even if that were to happen, I, I still feel good about Nebraska's chances there. I, I feel like Jameer's the type of kid that uh, kind of knows where he wants to go, but is taking the visits just to make sure um, that he's every, got that kind of leverage. Yeah, he's got that leverage, and and that's his that's his prerogative. That's his right to do that uh, as a recruit. And uh, and we, uh, to be honest with you, we're seeing that a lot more uh, right now. Now, especially now that schools can pay for parents to go on the trips too. We're seeing. I think we're seeing a lot more kids kind of take these visits um, and you know kind of take those the free paid trips uh, to go check things out and to just make sure that that they feel good and feel right about the decision that they're making we're talking uh, recruiting here with Nate Klaus as we wrap up this week's edition of the Husker online show you got a chance to see Calabasas play Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Uh, Tristan Jebbia Nebraska's quarterback and wide receiver commits you've seen these guys play countless times anything new jump out to you this time around Nate 
Well, I, I think they've just both kind of refined their, their games. I mean, Tristan Jebbia, you start with him. This kid is putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, you know, he's he's passed in his career now. He's passed for over 10,000 yards. Uh, he has, I think, something like 119 career touchdowns to only 26 career interceptions. Um, and this season alone, he's he's completing over 72% of his passes. Um, and, and yes, he has a lot of weapons to throw to. So I, I think that's something that people kind of point, th- you know, automatically point to. But uh, he's very, very polished. I mean, his his coach is uh, Casey Clawson. Uh, we all know that the, the Clawson family, they're, they're all kind of quarterback gurus in their own right there. Uh, so he's been coached extremely well. He also works out with Rudy Carpenter, who's uh, kind of, you know, another one of those quarterback gurus that, that coaches kids and kind of teaches kids um, on the weekends and everything. And um, he's so he, Tristan's very polished. He gets the ball out quick. He has a high football IQ. And maybe one thing that that is a little underrated is his overall athleticism. He can run the football a little bit, and we saw that um, you know last Friday when we we're when we were in town. And Keyshawn Johnson Jr. great feet, great hands, runs great routes. Um, had arguably one of his best games of the year uh, when we we're out in Calabasas. I, I think he finished with five catches for 123 yards and a touchdown. Uh, had a tremendous touchdown reception where he he carried about four guys into the end zone uh which is which was pretty impressive to see especially when the game was on the line there so uh these guys are just special kids they're they're very mature they understand the game of football they understand um you know uh life i I think they just get the 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 big picture um and and that comes a lot from from their parents and the way they were raised and uh, and they're both very excited to get on campus um here in in just a few short months They'll, they'll both be on campus January 8th. We're listening here to the Husker Online Show as Nebraska gets ready for Minnesota, Nate. It's a 6.30 game and talking some recruiting. Uh, great opportunity to get some official visitors in this weekend. What is it looking like, uh, even unofficial-wise? I'm, I'm sure a lot of guys that are 2018, maybe 2019 could be here as well as some of the official visitors. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty nice weekend for Nebraska, and they're definitely taking advantage of, of the last night game of the season. They've got four official visitors coming into into town, uh, two of which were coming from, from Georgia, from coming from the same high school just outside of, of Atlanta. They're Newton High School. Um, Jaquan Henderson is an outside linebacker, 6'1", 210-pound linebacker that's actually committed to Tennessee right now, uh, but is going to be coming up uh, to, to visit this weekend. He's coming with his family, very excited to, to check everything out. Um, you know, and had been kind of a, a solid commit to, to the Vols, but took a trip to Michigan State. And I think after that initial official visit to, to Michigan State, that's when he kind of really opened the door up uh, to, to looking around at other programs. And this is a kid that Trent Bray has been very high on. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what his perspective of the Huskers is like following this trip. And he's coming up with a, a teammate of his, Jeremiah Holloman, uh, who is uh, arguably one of the top overall athletes in the country. You know, the, the, these Nike combines and, and testing, uh, football testing combines and camps that they have, uh, they, they, they put together a spark score, which is basically some sort of algorithm, you know, where you uh, can Performance find, index. Yeah, it's a performance index. And, and he had, I think he's has the, the eighth best overall index in the country. It's like 138.8. I mean, he's just, he's got freakish uh, athletic 
ability. He's 6'3", 200 pounds, uh, can run like the wind, can jump. Uh, and, and a lot of teams are recruiting him at, at different positions. Nebraska likes him as a wide receiver, has a great relationship with Keith Williams, which I always sound like a broken record whenever I'm talking about Who doesn't about have a great relationship? Exactly. Other than Zach Smith at Ohio State, yeah. who doesn't have a great relationship <laughs> with Keith Williams? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and he, again, he's coming up with his parents too. And uh, and I like the fact that Nebraska has been able to get teammates on campus uh, with their parents and everything. I think that really adds to the experience. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, Karan Hafiz, who's a, he's a cornerback out of Jacksonville. Um, you're very good friends with Chris Jones. They come from the same program. They know one each other. And this is a kid whose stock is kind of going through the roof. He committed to Iowa State very early on in the process, decommitted from them, and has uh, added a handful of offers. Um, and, uh, and he could be sneaky pick there uh, to get one of those cornerback uh, spots in this class. And then just to close things out, Cameron Curl is a safety who Nebraska just offered out of, out of Oklahoma. Uh, and is another one of those kids that – his stock has really shot through the roof his senior year. So four official visitors, uh, it should be a very good weekend. Well, make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Not only will we have full coverage of the Nebraska-Minnesota game here on Saturday night, but uh, Nate Klaus, Mike Mattia, Brian Munson, our entire Husker Online recruiting team will bring you all the insight on Sunday from the official visit weekend. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.